Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. This is Jess from the Keto Fit, and today we are going to be talking all about fasting as a form of self-care. So in just a few minutes here, I have a very special guest coming on, um, Shanna Husson, and I'm going to be pulling her in as soon as she requests to join. Shanna, just click that request to join button for me. Here we go. Okay, and we should be live here now. So Shanna is a registered dietitian. Hey, Shanna, thanks for popping in. Hey, I was just introducing you to everybody. So um, Shanna is a registered dietitian, and I recently listened to the first episode of her podcast, which tells her whole story. Remind me of the name of your podcast? Fast to Heal Stories. Fast to Heal Stories. So everybody go and check that out. And the first episode, she shares her story, which I found to be so intriguing. So Shanna is a registered dietitian, and she used to do the whole um, typical protocol of prescribing her patients on a low-fat, high-carb, calorie-restriction diet. And she shared that basically, um, while she might have seen temporary results with her patients on this, it was never really able to last in the long term. And so it wasn't actually until she went through some health challenges with her son, which I'll allow her to tell you about, that she realized that we really need to flip that food pyramid on its head and prioritize lower carb, higher fat to really heal our bodies. And so Shanna, thank you so much for being here today. And would you just share with everybody a little bit more about your story, how you came into the low carb world and how it has changed your life? Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me to come. I just have to say hi to Jimmy. I see you. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've been in the nutrition space a really long time, over 20 years, which will definitely age me. But um, it was about 10 years in. And, you know, that's kind of sad that it took me that long to think, huh, like think people aren't really healing that well. They're not seeing long-term results. People are, you know, everybody's getting sicker and fatter. You know, what's going on? And I was starting to deal with more of my own personal struggles. I was dealing with bloating pretty much every day. I was eating from the time I woke up, usually until the time I went to bed. I was eating a lot of healthy whole grains like mm -hmm. I was supposed to. I was recommending all of that to my clients and I worked both in the outpatient clinic as a dietitian, and then I also worked, I did a lot of health coaching. So I kind of was all over the place. And after about 10 years, I started to question some things, but I thought maybe it was just me personally. Um, and then about 15 years into me being a dietitian, my son got really sick. And as you said, um, and he was... Uh, he was 11 when he had the, the symptoms. He actually got diagnosed the day after he turned 12. So mm -hmm. very young. He was very healthy up until that point. And um, he ended up being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is a very terrible inflammatory bowel disease. But all his doctors wanted to just stack medications for him and medication, medication, medication. And I thought, well, this is a di digestive disease. Why in the world aren't we talking about nutrition? Mm -hmm. And when I actually, the, the very first day he was diagnosed, I was given a handout that made me want to vomit. It was just all like low fiber processed foods, like white bread, white tortillas, crackers, mm -hmm. everything that's supposedly easy to digest. Right. Mushy, you know, canned vegetables, canned fruits. It was terrible. It was just like inflammation on the sheet. So I knew intuitively enough, like, okay, no way. Like they, they don't know much about nutrition. And I was questioned his gastroenterologist and he would always tell me nutrition has nothing to do with this disease. It's an autoimmune illness. Mm -hmm. um, and, and through years of investigating and really just doing a deep dive myself, I had to do it on my own. You know, you know, this, it's like nobody was, or nobody in the conventional system. And I don't want to lump all the doctors together because I know there are, are, there are definitely some different minded out there, but you know, everyone that I talked to is just like, take these medications. If the medications don't work. We might have to perform surgery. And my son actually got sick enough. He was in this, the hospital for five days that we had a surgeon come in and talked with us. Um, but anyway, I just did like a deep dive into nutrition mm -hmm. and 
a deep dive into what is the catalyst that's causing this? Is it an infection? Is it mold? Is it yeast? Is it food? Is it a chemical? And, and nobody could give me any answers. And I, and actually they just would look at me like I was a crazy person. So um, (laughs) I ended up just doing my own thing and kind of pulling out of that conventional system. I found an integrative doctor who was very helpful for healing him. Um, but I, I left, I left the conventional space. I couldn't do it anymore. I just thought I, I can't recommend things. I, I don't believe in anymore. At that point I had gone like grain free, gluten free. I had really focused on changing the fats that I was eating and prioritizing protein. So I basically was eating completely different than what I had been. Um, And I also started to hear rumblings of intermittent fasting while I was listening to podcasts and reading from professionals with a more holistic view. And I will tell you, Jess, at first I was like, okay, I would just kind of tune it out and be like, all right, whatever, another intermittent fast or, uh, you know, just kind of the nutrition I was on board with, with the, with those changes, but the fasting I thought was still kind of way out there. Like who wants to skip breakfast? Yeah. Um, so I just started doing it myself and just inching, you know, closing that eating window that I had and doing it slowly. And I saw really big progress. And Mm. then I went back to work at a very small clinic, holistic clinic, and I tried it on a subset of people, like lower carb eating and intermittent fasting and introducing that to them, and they did amazing. It was only 18 people, but I couldn't believe the progress that they saw in such a short time. I only did the pilot program for like 12 weeks. So that's when I kind of started piecing together a book and writing out a step-by-step program. Um, and that was, so when did I release my book? 2020 of April, April, 2020. So right in COVID. <laughs> um, so it's just been on a little over about a year and a half since I released the book. I now have my own online business and my online programs and yeah, those, the, that combination has worked so well for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, a lot of times people think, oh, well, fasting is just, calorie deprivation or starvation mm-hmm. and it's so the opposite and and keto too it's like people see it as restrictive it's like no you're just eating real food and you're healing your hormones and um it what's, restri- what's restrictive <laughs> is having to be on medications and feeling right. ill all the time and not enjoying life because you're not at your best health. So, so right. yeah, that's kind of how I got into the space and um, kind of my backstory, but it, it took a long time to kind of come out of that conventional thinking mm-hmm. and say, okay, there's something wrong with eating all of these processed grains and processed foods and processed fats and having to eat small frequent meals like that doesn't really make sense for weight loss so so yeah yeah, so that's how I got to where I am now yeah well first of all I just want to thank you for sharing your story and also man I don't know if there's any other moms that are watching right now that can resonate but (laughs) nothing in the world I'm convinced is as powerful as that mama bear instinct and dads too you know but that parental instinct of just like no, I'm not going to take that as an answer. We even above and beyond what we would do for ourselves, we'll move heaven and earth to help our kids. And so you've done such a good job at um, modeling for us what it means to be an advocate um, for your child's health, but also for your own. And I'm sure you work with a lot of clients that experience this as well. I do too, where we're finding that you actually have to go above and beyond just taking your doctor's word for it. Um, like you said, there are a lot of great doctors that are learning more of the more recent science, but a lot of these doctors, they went to medical school like decades and decades ago. And even at that time, they took like two weeks of nutrition training and they'll tell you that. And so, you know, it really, um, we have to do our own research and find people who maybe will give us the answers we're looking for. I love that you said you went to see a functional doctor because that can actually be a lot better for people sometimes. So um, now you mentioned that you were like kind of doubtful yourself about fasting at first too. You started hearing about it on podcasts and it wasn't until you actually kind of saw the proof in the pudding 
with yourself and then also with the clients that you were working with. So that one-two punch of doing keto or low carb along with fasting. So here's my question. So you hear this a lot of times if you've been out there, you people that are joining, I know you're all like keto nerds like us, right? You hear this um, thing that is like keto mimics fasting. So that's one of the reasons, um, the mechanisms of why it really helps with fat loss is because it does switch your body over into fat burning the same way that fasting would. And um, you lose that initial water weight and everything. You're burning fat for fuel. You do experience some benefits of autophagy when you're in ketosis. So what is it though that really makes the difference though with adding fasting to it? Um, yeah. so I know you mentioned a lot of people were still stalling on keto and then they add fasting in and it really changes the game for them. Like what's the mechanism there? Yeah, well, fasting will just get you there a whole lot faster because there's no food coming in as opposed to um, the higher fat, higher protein foods. So it just, it, it accelerates the process basically. Um, so yeah, when with keto, it it's just beautiful because you aren't using glucose as your main fueling system anymore, which mm -hmm. is just... <laughs> so far beyond what, what most people experience. Um, so that will definitely help to bring your insulin levels down. And it, like you said, pushes you into that fat burning. But I think I've seen this with a lot of clients and you know, we can kind of differentiate between low carb and keto. Um, I usually start people more at a lower carb, 100 grams or so, see how they do look at their past history, what are their goals, and then we can scooch that down further, like. 25 to 50, depending on what their goals are and um, how sick they are. Um, but yeah, you throw fasting in there and that's going to burn out those glycogen stores, which happens during keto too, because you're keeping your carbs really low. Um, but your body's going to then have to look for another fueling source. And that's where it turns to body fat. But I think where a lot of people can get tripped up is that they're still eating all the time even though they're keto foods and they're in their whole natural, healthy, nutritional foods, mm -hmm. they're still eating all the time. So even though they've, they're, they don't have the glycogen stores, their insulin levels can still be high and that mm -hmm. can make it difficult to get to that fat burning stage. So yeah, you throw the fasting in there and it just, it lowers that insulin that much sooner. Um, and then another mistake people can make is they just eat, too much or too much fat and your body's going to burn fat in your bloodstream before it goes and looks for stored body fat. So it's just easier. It's like, Oh, well, cool. These fatty acids are already in my blood. I'm just going to burn these up. Whereas you throw fasting in there and I'm not saying you have to do it every single day. You don't have to do like these wild long fasts, but you give your body time to heal when you're not fasting and bring that those insulin levels down and then it's going to be forced to tap into store body fat and that's the ultimate goal for most people is most people come to intermittent fasting and keto i mean to improve health but a lot of it is for weight loss mm -hmm. and it's going to be difficult to achieve weight loss unless you're really focusing on getting good balanced meals and then going long periods of time without eating it's like some people will will pop 20 fat bombs a day and like, oh, why are I losing weight? Like, yeah. Um, so it just depends what your goal is. Like my goal is not to lose weight. I'm at a healthy weight where I'm at. I fast more for longevity and for disease prevention and just to maintain my weight because it's pretty effortless to maintain my weight doing the lifestyle that I do now. But when I was eating all the time and um, when I was eating higher carbohydrate and I was a runner. So I had the mentality that I need to eat a lot of carbs. Um, it was tough to maintain my weight. Like I, I did it, but I felt like I had to exercise pretty much every day. I was training for half marathons and marathons. And, you know, I just, it was a lot, it was actually more inflammatory yeah. for me. And now with this and keeping inflammation down and focusing on natural whole foods and just eating once or twice a day, I feel so much better. And I don't really worry about my weight anymore because even though I was thin, I still thought about everything I was eating and whether or not it was going to push my weight up. And 
um, anyone who goes to my Instagram page, a couple, uh, I made a post a couple of days about my immediate family, uh, not my kids, but my two sisters and my parents. And I am the only normal weight person. Yeah. I shouldn't say normal, healthy weight person. Right in my immediate family. So I was not dealt the genetics like, Hey, <laughs> you're going to be, you know, the slim trim. No, I mean, very strong diabetes and heart disease in my family, lots of overweight people, lots of insulin resistance. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's apparent there for sure. Yeah. I can resonate with that. A lot of, um, you know, metabolic unhealth runs in my family. When I was growing up, I, you know, I looked around and it was even told to me like, look around, this is what we look like, you know, this is what you're going to look like as you as you grow up. And, you know, that was a really limiting belief for me for a long time. Um, but keto changed everything for me. And I'm, I hear you saying basically the same thing. So for anybody that's still kind of on the fence about like, okay, I already eat keto. Um, you know, why should I fast? And I'm hearing you say, let me make sure that I understand it correctly, is that um, anytime that we are eating, we're still producing some of an insulin response. And so as long as we're producing any insulin response at all, we're actually not able to withdraw um, fuel from our fat cells to actually burn the stored body fat for fuel. We're burning the dietary fat that we're consuming for fuel. And so if we really want to increase fat loss, then um, shortening our eating window and allowing more time to be in a fasted state is what's really going to unlock, you know, breaking down our stored body fat for fuel. Is that right? Yes. Perfect. Okay. And um, I do, I do want to mention that there's different degrees of insulin responses and um, it's really hard to, it's, it'll differ from person to person, but processed foods by far, sugar, any processed carbohydrates, those are going to stimulate a bigger insulin response than um, whole natural carbohydrates. And then protein is less of a response. Fat is the, the least of a response as far as insulin goes, but yeah, you still release insulin when you eat, it's just, it, it'll vary in, in levels and kind of follows blood sugar. So if you've monitored your, monitored your blood sugar and you have a big blood sugar response, well, you need more insulin because that energy is just floating around in the cell or in the bloodstream. So yeah, so it's, it's kind, they kind of go hand in hand. So then you're gonna release more insulin to get that blood sugar out of the bloodstream, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's, I know uh, Dr. Jason Fung talks about this and you are a fan of his. And so I love how he talks about how basically it's like two levers for fat loss. You can pull the lever of what you eat and then you can also pull the lever of when you eat. And when you put those two things together, it just uh, gives you the best of both worlds, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of one or the other at first. It's like people ask, well, what do you think is more important, the fasting at first or what you're eating at first? And I kind of look at that as for, at a person-to-person -person level. It's like if somebody's been eating healthfully for a really long time and they're making pretty good choices, well, then we, we want to focus more on the fasting because you've already pretty close, you know, like you're, you're already eating whole foods. We just really need to work on the meal timing. But if you're somebody who is eating the SAD diet or the standard American diet, maybe we should work on cleaning that up first and then just, you know, getting out of that snacking mentality, not eating after dinner, and then slowly starting to push back the time that you're eating in the morning or whenever the, that you break your fast, but really cleaning that up so that you are able to fast longer because you know, it's really tough. Like those people who, if you're here and you're eating keto, it's like fasting is, is intermittent fasting is basically like, oh, no big deal. But if you're on the standard American diet, <laughs> it's really tough to adapt yeah. that. So, so, you know, I get that question a lot and it's like, oh, let's, you kind of look at where you're at, what your lifestyle is, what you're eating now and focus on, you know, for at least for a couple of weeks, like focus on one or the other so you don't get overwhelmed get the inflammation down, get some healthier foods in, start to narrow that window a little bit and then go from there. Yeah, that was, that's a question that I get asked a lot too. Like, should I start fasting right away when I start keto or should I hold off? And so I'm hearing you say that what you advise your clients on is to get into ketosis first and then fasting comes a little bit easier. It's more natural and, and easy to start practice intermittent fasting, right? 
Yeah, typically it, mm -hmm. it is. It's just, you know, it's like when you're in ketosis, intermittent fasting is a breeze, but if you're eating a lot of sugar, it's, it can be really tricky. And then people give up and that's the right. last thing you want. It's like, well, that didn't work for me for a week. <laughs> so it's right. so going to give up. But yeah, if you, if you kind of do it in steps and chunks and little by little, um, then you definitely see a lot more success and, and uh, obviously supports a big, big piece of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of um, like an all or nothing person too. Like I'm like a go big or go home person. Like I did not titrate down on my carbohydrates. I was just one day I was like, I'm going to do keto. And some people really are, are more wired that way. I think like they're just like a cold turkey all in go big or go home kind of a person. And then other people are like, I'm going to work my way down. So first I'm going to cut out bread and then I'm going to cut out sweets and then I'm going to, and, and I've seen some people be successful on that as well. So it's good to leave room for different personality styles. But apart from the personality styles, I, I tell my clients too, with fasting, like you're basically going to set yourself up to have a really hard time. If you try to start fasting right away, it could actually be easy or it could be really hard. Which way would you like to have it? And so if you just wait a few weeks for your body to adjust to ketosis, it's going to suppress your appetite and fasting will be easy and intuitive you're just kind of listening to your body saying, I'm not hungry, as opposed to trying to white knuckle it and force it and wait for some little app to tell you when it's time to eat. Right, right. Yeah. And for many people who are coming into the intermittent fasting or keto world, their hunger and satiety and their hormones are all whacked out. Yeah. And so the message of intuitive eating, like, I love it if your hormones are healthy. Yeah. Um, but the problem we run into is like, we try to be intuitive eaters and say, okay, I'm going to only eat when I'm hungry. and I'm going to stop when I'm full. Like that sounds so great in theory. And that's really like finding nutritional peace of my book. Like that's my long-term goal for you. Like you will right. get there. But a lot of times when you're starting, it's like, you can't trust your hunger when your insulin is high or you have insulin resistance and your insulin's telling you to eat all the time. It's like, yeah. you obviously have a lot of stored body fat to tap into um, and, and energy there. It's just your hormones are so whacked out that you need to heal those first. And that's what keto does and the intermittent fasting. And then you get to a place of, wow, I can actually listen to my body. And if I'm hungry, I can eat. If I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat. But it, it usually takes sometimes many weeks to months to really get there. So you, yeah. you have to be a little more diligent about following an actual program and, you know, getting those tools and, and those strategies in place so that you can get to that long-term place of, wow, like my body really does know best. Yeah. Just manipulate it so much that, that we can't trust it. Yeah, basically, I mean, if in a perfect world, if we had never wrecked our metabolisms with processed food or anything, we, we could practice intuitive eating. But like you're saying, our system has basically been broken down by all these foreign invaders that are causing inflammation in our body. And then, you know, riding the sugar roller coaster, um, our brains are compelling us to eat more sugar like like an addiction. Um, and so that's not really our intuition speaking, that's, you know, that's an addiction speaking, or that's, right. um, that is um, a sickness speaking, basically. And so we can't really listen to those messages, we have to kind of um, restore to our original programming, like reset your phone, essentially, like, and, and, exactly. and then you actually can listen to the internal signals that you're receiving. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I like to work with my clients on looking at nutrition as a form of self-care. Um, I say that I like to help my clients lose weight with a keto diet, which is a concrete strategy that actually works, but we have to do it from a self-care mindset because if it feels like restriction, if it feels like misery, um, we are never going to do stick with something long-term. And you mentioned before the word um, restrictions. And so one thing that I like to, our language can be so important in the messages that we send to our brains. And so I really like to use the word boundaries instead of restrictions because it kind of means essentially the same thing, but one has a positive connotation of like keeping yourself safe and prioritizing your own self and what you need. Um, and, and um, basically setting up a, a protective mechanism um, to make your life better is what boundaries do. Restriction just feels like, oh, I don't get to have, you know, yada, yada. I'm withholding from myself. Why would I want to do that? And so fasting, I'm sure, can feel that way for people. So how can we actually look at fasting as a form of self-care? And, and tell us above and beyond just fat loss, like, how are we actually caring for our bodies by doing this? What are the other benefits? Yeah, 
I love that you said that. I'm going to use that with clients because it, it is. It's like a lot of people need the carbohydrate restriction. But yeah, saying like you need a boundary with carbohydrates, I think is 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 um, a lot more valid and a lot more positive. So I just wrote the word boundary. So use that from now on. But yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, we're looking at healing the hormonal system and Mm -hmm. insulin's a big player in the body. And, um, you know, if it, if it's wonky, we're going to have all kinds of issues and so much chronic disease stems from insulin resistance and insulin resistance can start from the time you're born. And we're seeing that with kids, which is so so sad to me is kids are being born with high insulin and high blood sugars. And um, so obviously that, that can be passed along from the mother, even in utero. Um, But it's, it's just growing more and more problematic. So focusing on insulin is going to help all of the, the whole entire endocrine and hormonal system to just talk better to itself. Cause basically hormones our, our little messengers telling our bodies what to do. So if we can heal those and they can work correctly. And, and so when you mess up insulin, you're messing up basically all the hormones. So the thyroid hormones, the adrenal hormones, the female and the male hormones are, are, are just all getting whacked out signals, or they're just not binding to the receptors that they need to, or doing their job with, um, you know, telling your body, what it should be doing. So you heal insulin and, and really that's at the root of intermittent fasting and keto is like healing that insulin hormones that they can all talk better. And so when that happens, that's where it's like, we set out to intermittent fast and keto for a purpose. Usually it's like, okay, well, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Um, you know, why, why do I even want to do this? Um, and that, those are always questions I ask my client, like, what's your goal? Um, you know, what, what's your end goal? Why, why are you even coming to this space? Um, so that we can, you know, as a long term, we can heal that whole endocrine system. And, and it's just amazing as you're going through the, the journey and the healing process. It's like, wow, I sleeping so much better. I have more energy that knee that used to bother me so much has now gone away. Um, my digestion is better. And it's just like this amazing process. And I'm not saying it's like, like you start intermittent fasting, you start keto, everything poof is just gonna be all, you know, perfect. Right. Uh, but it, it, it is a process. And, you know, a lot of times people come to me, and they have been doing fasting for a while, and they have been doing low carb, and then we have to take even a deeper dive and say, okay, well, there's something standing in the way of you healing. Let, let's yeah. get to the root cause of that, um, which can be different for everyone. But I have yet to see a client. Well, I, I take that back. I had one client who fasting actually backfired on her. And, mm-hmm. and I speak very candidly about this because it, I, I had no idea she had a history of an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like our third session together, she's like, I just... I, I can't do this lifestyle anymore. I'm, I'm just, and she's like, I have a history of like a strong history of bulimia and anorexia. I'm like, wait, <laughs> you didn't tell me that yeah. you should have disclosed that because this, like you said, like people need boundaries, but sometimes people can take it too far. And so she needed to heal that first definitely yeah. before she could progress because, um, the mental aspect. She just wasn't there. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. It does. About way. <laughs> yeah, because I think that if we think of fasting as a form of healing our bodies, I think maybe the first thing that comes up for people, which I would have thought back when I first started is, well, I don't, I don't have anything that needs to be healed. Like I don't have any health diagnoses. You know, a lot of people do have an actual health diagnosis for which insulin resistance is basically the foundation of that. In fact, you know, most of our modern uh, disease is like, I think the the statistic is like 70% is actually due to insulin resistance, you know, high blood pressure, heart disease, um, type two diabetes, um, really uh, PCOS. So like Alzheimer's, all of these things are actually related um, to insulin resistance and how our body is, um, you know, basically all the other hormones, like you said, it's like a cascade, it all gets messed up because of insulin being messed up. And so, but for people who don't actually have one of those health diagnoses, I think what comes into play is that we think that something that is common is normal, but that's not true. 
And so I didn't think that there was any healing to be done in my body, yet I was experiencing what I thought were common symptoms of um, painful periods, uh, PMS, migraines, um, acne, uh, bloating after every single meal, being tired. Um, so these are signs that your body needs to heal. These, But we just totally dismiss that because we think it's normal, right? Can you think of any other things that you've seen with your clients that are like signs like you need some healing in your body? Right. Yeah. And I know for me, I mentioned the bloating as well. And it, and it, it just got to the point, I don't, don't know about you, like it started in my early 20s, probably when I was in college and trashed my body. <laughs> but, you know, and just wrecked a lot of, of, of things that stayed wrecked in, in like my, my microbiome and all of that when I was in my early twenties. Um, and I, like you said, I just thought that was normal. Like I'm just one of those people who's going to be bloated for the rest of my life. And you know, I, I could barely snap my pants by noon when I would yeah. eat a big bowl of oatmeal. Like I thought, Hey, that's, that's healthy. That's normal. And, and that just must be my normal. And same thing with my canker sores. I'm like, I had them in my mouth for like 12 years. It, they were terrible. Um, but yeah, when you looked at me, you probably thought, well, she's so healthy. Um, she doesn't need to, to change anything. It's like, but no, I feel like just about every person you talk to has some sort of digestive distress, number one. Yeah. Um, even if you think like they look outwardly healthy, but inwardly they're not. Um, but yeah, I think a, a lot of uh, some big things that happen are the improvements in sleep, which is going to improve your entire life. I mean, I always, I've always been a good sleeper, but I honestly, I feel like I sleep so deep. Like I barely wake up and I feel restored. Um, and, and that, that is huge. And I think just the energy and then just all of that being so positive, it just helps your entire mentality. And I know for me, most of like, I've had some physical improvements, but my mental um, improvements and just not feeling like I have to eat all the time and feeling like I have to take snacks and worrying about every food that I'm putting in my mouth. Like, is this going to make me gain weight? Is this going to, you know, it's like, it was so constant and I'd run errands. I'm like, Oh, I better bring a snack with, or, um, you know, like that has been food, like food freedom. That has mm -hmm. probably been the biggest, um, the, the biggest thing that's, in my own personal progress, that's been such a help to me, um, to just hop in the car and be like, I'll be fine until I get home. Or, you know, like I'm in the airport and I'm like, I don't need to eat. I'll just get on the plane and drink my water and I'll be fine. Like just knowing what your body's capable of mm -hmm. physically and knowing you can go a couple of days without food, as long as you stay hydrated. Um, and when you're talking about keto before I, and people, you know, that kind of going all or nothing, like, okay, I'm going to go from 300 carbs to 50 carbs. Like, just make sure you're, you're hydrated and you have the electrolytes and you'll do a lot better. But yeah, the mental aspect is, is so empowering and it does take a while to get there. Like you just got to give it some time. You're not going to get there in a week or two, you know, not usually depending on how much healing you have to do, but, but definitely that's a huge positive. Yeah, absolutely. I really resonate with what you're saying because the food freedom is what made me stick with keto long-term. And that's why I say, even now I'm at my weight goal, I'm at a healthy weight. I, I knew within two weeks of being on keto that I wanted to maintain it forever because of the food freedom. I used to just obsess all day long about food, um, counting calories every single day of my life, like that running total in your head, feeling afraid of going out to eat, um, afraid of certain foods, like getting to noon and you've already blown your calorie budget for the day and then feeling so defeated, like, oh, now I need to fast the rest of the day. And you try to push yourself too, but then you give in and you end up binging because you feel like, well, I already failed, so I might as well. And it's just this horrible, horrible cycle. And you, I definitely had disordered thoughts surrounding food. And I, I love that you mentioned your client who fasting kind of backfired because she had a history of disordered eating. And I resonate with that. I have a history of disordered eating as well, where I would definitely binge at times. I, I would purge. I used um, laxatives, which uh, people might not think of that as purging, but it is. Or compensatory exercise um, is definitely something that I did as another form of purging. Um, and also restricting was like a big thing for me, I would try to go long periods of time without eating. 
And I would call it fasting sometimes, but I was doing it from the wrong mindset. A lot of times I even put like, I don't know if you have a religious background, but I do. And so I would put the guise of like a a religious or a spiritual fast over it, but that really wasn't my true motive at all. I just knew that it was something that I could say and people would leave me alone. And so when I started trying to incorporate fasting, I realized for me that it's been a very sensitive balance of um, intermittent fasting works for me. But as soon as I try to go beyond 24 hours, I find myself dipping into disordered thoughts again. Like if I go, if I wake up in the morning, I, I had dinner the night before, if I wake up in the morning, and I fast the whole day, and I make it through that whole day, it's hard. Um, but I've gone an entire day, you know, of not eating from waking up until going to bed, I wake up the next morning, and then I start to think, I wonder how long I could do this. I wonder how much weight I could lose. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And so then I find myself dipping into this like scary territory and feeling like I don't, I want to cancel lunch plans, even though I have them because I want to keep fasting or whatever it might be. And I start to feel really disordered surrounding it. And I've learned that that does not work for me. And so, um, you know, what can we, what can we learn about the benefits of fasting? Like what's the difference between fasting, intermittent fasting, time restricted eating, and what's kind of like the minimum viable length of a fast for you to really think like, okay, I can do this. And this is realistic for me, as opposed to some people who think like, oh, I could never, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go a whole day without eating. Like, can you explain to us the differences and where we start to see the benefits um, kick in? Yeah. And first off, there's no right or wrong when you, when you want to implement intermittent fasting. And, you know, I have people who will breeze through a two or three day fast and I have people who will struggle to get to 18 hours. So it really just depends on where you're at again, what your goals are. Um, But I like to think of intermittent fasting and time restricted eating are kind of the same. Mm -hmm. Anything that's under 24 hour 24 hours, it's basically intermittent fasting um, or eating in a time-restricted window. Um, And sometimes when I'm working with clients, we we talk more about it being a time-restricted eating window because fasting can seem really scary (laughs) to some people, especially when when you're starting out and it it can be a turnoff. Like, oh my gosh, is she going to make me fast three days when I I don't want to? It's like, no, I've had plenty of clients who have never done more than a 24 hour fast or even a 20 hour fast or whatever it is um, and have done very well and seen a lot of progress. Um, My sister-in-law is one of those. She only ever did 18 hours. She would, you know, mainly stop eating by six o'clock and start eating around noon the next day. And she lost 50 pounds in a year. Um, And then there's others who do that and just don't see a lot of progress. So then it's like, okay, do we have to look at what you're actually eating? Or do we have to just change up the fasting cycle? And I know for me, like I've been starting to open my window earlier several days, but because I am a morning person and a morning exerciser. And there's some studies out that show eating earlier in the day or and, mm-hmm. and having your eating window earlier can be beneficial. Um, so just doing that, I feel better doing that. Like I'll eat from 10 to three or four and then, you know, have, and just not eat dinner. Cause I don't care if I eat dinner or not, where it's harder for me to fast. Like you said, like all day long and feel like, Oh my gosh, how many hours do I, do I have here? Um, so it really is just like, what's going to work for you and what are your, what's your lifestyle. I only do that like an earlier window. I have three kids and um, you know, things going on in the evenings a lot. So if I know that I'm going to be at an event or um, you know, out and about, that's the days that I'll do that because the family meal can be, you know, very important and a time right. to connect. So you just have to work it into your lifestyle. Like I said, there's no right or wrong, but I do encourage people to start at least at like 14 to 16 hours, like get that amount of time. Some people say 12 mm-hmm. even is beneficial, but I, you know, if you, by the time people want to work with me, usually they're pretty sick. So it's like 14 to 16 hours. And I really think um, not even focusing so much on the hours every day that you're that you're fasting, but just switching it up. And yeah. you know, sometimes eating at ten in the morning, sometimes eating at three. You know, waiting until three o'clock in the afternoon. Sometimes doing sixteen hours of fasting. Sometimes doing twenty. That is more important than like okay, I can only eat from twelve to six every single day. You know, right. and just fitting it into your lifestyle. 
and um, taking advantage of your personal schedule and what's going to work for you. Um, but yeah, going beyond 24 hours is, is considered um, more of an extended fast. And if people are having a lot of issues with not being able to lose weight or they have severe insulin resistance or have been diagnosed with diabetes, um, the therapeutic level of fasting is 24 to 36 hours a couple of times a week. So if people are willing to try that, I will oftentimes, you know, we'll do that for a couple of weeks and see how they do. Um, it is hard for that first sleep <laughs> to like go overnight with fasting is tough. But if you have a lot of body fat, extra body fat, your body typically knows what's, what to do. I'm kind of like you. It's like, I don't have a lot of extra body fat. And I think like your body just knows like, okay, like a 24 hour fast is good. <laughs> you know, and I'll just do like a 36 to 40 hour fast, maybe once a month, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, people who have a lot of extra body fat or um, have really high insulin resistance, they're, they can definitely do some extended fasting. Um, I don't recommend anybody go beyond five days when I'm working with them because there's just not a ton of benefit to it with autophagy and that sort of thing. And if they're doing a longer fast, like three to five, I say once a month is good. Like just give your body time to replenish. We always focus on electrolytes and staying hydrated. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's what works for you. And some people will do intermittent fasting during the week and the weekends, they're more relaxed and that that's fine too. Mm -hmm. um, I do always caution people like, okay, if we're relaxing on, on the time that you're eating, just be careful we're not like binging or right. <laughs> giving yourself the green light to eat anything and everything you want because you can undo pretty much all the progress that you did during the week. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, there's no right or wrong, but um, if somebody wants to get started, definitely like just stop eating after dinner and don't snack and start to just push it back in the morning. Or you can cut off your dinner time a little bit earlier. And yeah, the beauty of that is most of your fasting time is while you're sleeping. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I love that you're saying um, that it's actually good to switch it up. Because when I first started doing intermittent fasting, I um, like I said, I'm, I'm just such a person of like routine and order and organization. And so I set this little idea or rule for myself. I'm, like, I'm going to practice 16A and just only eat within an eight hour window. And on the weekends, I would feel like conflict. My husband would say, do you want to go out to breakfast? And I would feel like I had to say no because of my plan to practice intermittent fasting. So, but actually it, it's good to switch things up. So for me to then go out to breakfast on the weekend and have breakfast at 9am when normally I wouldn't ha have started eating until 11am, that can actually be a really good thing. And then I find myself feeling pretty full. Um, and we might have like a really late lunch if we had breakfast. And so I'm ending my eating window probably by like 4pm that day. And so that's actually a really good thing is to switch things up because our bodies start to get in a rut. Um, we start to achieve balance or homeostasis. And so what was working before stops working. When right. what was working before stops working, it's time to switch things up and try something right. new. Right. And I used to find when I would eat earlier in the day, I'd be hungry all day. And that mm -hmm. is just a sign that I was a sugar burner. And, right. you know, I, I, my hormones were, were out of whack. And it's now I don't I don't feel it. So for a while, it was hard for me to say, okay, I should eat earlier, maybe once or twice a week and see how I feel. Cause I was like, Oh, but, but then I'm going to be hungry all day. But now I'm just like you said, it's like, if I eat a, a good nourishing, we'll call it breakfast, but earlier meal, um, I don't need to eat till like late afternoon or early to late afternoon. And then I'm just done for the day. So, um, yeah, how you want to do the timing is really up to you and what works with your lifestyle. And I know like when I first started this, um, I had a conversation with my kids and my family, you know, like mom is not doing this because she's starving or so, or, you know, like we're doing this to, to get help you know, healthier and do some internal healing. And so I think that if your kids are old enough, having that conversation is, is helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I want to ask you specifically, um, I know my audience is mainly women, I don't know about yours, but um, for women who are still um, experiencing a menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. should we be taking that into account um, with our fasting plans? Are there times that are more optimal to fast or times that we shouldn't fast? Um, I know, you know, we might tend to um, want to eat all the things when we're on our periods or whatever. So like, or at least we tell ourselves that that's the story. So yeah, give us some advice or input on um, timing your fasting according to your cycle, if at all. Yeah. The, yeah. I do have people pay attention to this for sure. Um, I know when I first started, I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, and I think intermittent fasting, I, I don't think it plays a huge role with, right. with the hormones, but definitely if you're trying to incorporate some longer fast, you definitely want to be careful. So like weeks, weeks one and two. So the tail end of your period and into that next week are usually the best times to do some longer fast if you want to, mm -hmm. because estrogen levels are high or higher. Mm -hmm. And then those weeks three and four, um, the, the, so it would be the week prior to, and that, that other, the week before that, so weeks three and four, progesterone comes higher and that's when your appetite starts to be stimulated. Mm -hmm. You feel hungrier. You actually, your insulin sensitivity even changes a mm. little bit and you just utilize macronutrients a little bit differently. Um, so those are the times where you want to lay off, especially longer fasts. Um, I always feel like intermittent fast, as long as I'm like below like 20 hours, or if I'm focusing on eating two meals a day, I'm I'm still fine, but I can definitely tell my, my appetite is different mm. in weeks one and two, not being as high versus weeks three and four when progesterone is higher. Um, and so we don't necessarily need to eat carbohydrates to make carbo or to make progesterone. Um, but if we don't have enough protein or carbohydrate, then we can run into trouble with, um, being able to, to stimulate those female hormones and especially progesterone. Um, so I actually have people do some carb flexing when they work with me, um, just so that you're not in ketosis all the time. So your body can, can then go back and do some sugar burning. Um, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to lose weight, being in ketosis is helpful more of the time. Um, but yeah, so we do some carb flexing and I usually have them up their carbohydrate if they're menstruating like that week, um, like two weeks after your period when mm -hmm. you would likely be ovulating just to give your body some more carbohydrate and being strategic about the carbohydrate. So I, right. you know, if you're following, if you're doing 50, I say, okay, maybe bump it up to like a hundred right. and focus on the whole intact carbohydrates. Don't be, you know, eating chips and crackers and all of that stuff. But, but yeah, being strategic about that um, for people who aren't menstruating or for men, I just usually have them, they can like pick a day of, out of the week to carb flex or one week every four weeks if they want to do a, a week of carb flexing and then just go back to your lower carb lifestyle after that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the last guest that I had on, um, Evie from The Healthy Parent is with us right now. And she was chatting about that as well, um, okay. how she started incorporating some um, carb ups um, surrounding her menstrual cycle because she was experiencing period problems after being in ketosis for so long. And so basically, I'm hearing you say that if you have a lot more weight to lose, you're probably you, you may find it easier to just stay in ketosis all the time. And you're not going to notice, um, you know, any kind of like negative symptoms or any kind of problems with your period. Um, but if you're at a healthy weight, or um, even underweight, you know, you probably don't want to be in ketosis, um, or fasting those at least 10 days leading up to your period, because your body is working overtime, it's basically creating a new organ <laughs> every single month, which is crazy and weird to think about. But you know, we actually need more calories towards the end of our cycle, because our bodies are burning more energy on those internal processes, even if your lifestyle hasn't changed inwardly, you're doing a lot more inside of your body and you need um, that energy. So yeah, I appreciate I you sharing that. Kind of at a, diff a little bit different place hormonally, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And then the other factor that comes in is: Are you eating enough protein? Because we can yes. convert protein to carbohydrate via gluconeogenesis. So 
just even bumping up if you're not comfortable with bumping the carbs up, you could bump up protein if, yeah. if you are comfortable doing that for sure. Yeah. I'm a person that I don't do, um, you know, I don't carb cycle, um, maybe like one or two days a month, I might have a little bit higher carbs, but it would probably be like 75, you know, at the most. Um, I find that I am able to keep that food piece like you talk about by staying low, low carb, even when, um, you know, I need more energy for my body. So what I do is I try to increase calories during that time, um, and just allow that to be okay. A lot of my clients, you know, I find that they'll text me one day and they'll say, I wasn't planning to eat till lunch, but I was just so hungry this morning. And they're like, I don't know what's up with that. And a lot of times they'll like almost be berating themselves. And I'll say, well, do you check your cycle? What day of the month is it? And, you know, because sure enough, I want to have um, what I would consider a carb up for me, which is around 75 carb. I'm like, I just want to eat like a whole quart of strawberries. And then I'll go open up my app. I, I use the free app called Clue. And I'm like, day 19, like clockwork, you know, (laughs) and then I just let it be okay. And so I try to advise my clients on that as well, that it's normal to actually experience more hunger towards the end of your cycle. And it's okay. It's not going to throw off your weight loss goal. Right. Yeah. Right. And in fact, it'll probably help you long term. And I Mm -hmm. even saw like, you know, my weight only fluctuates about three pounds usually. Yeah. Um, now that with this lifestyle, but, um, I found like just changing the time that I'm my eating window to earlier a couple times a week, like yeah. that's enough to just stay at that lower end of nor you know what's normal for me. Typically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think probably the burning question on everybody's mind is if we do fast, like let's say we do a longer fast, um, a, a 24 to 48 hour fast, and we step on the scale and we're all excited because oh my gosh, I've lost three pounds in two days. And then, you know, people wonder, but is it just going to come right back on as soon as I start eating again? And so what is like normal and to be expected so that if we do gain some back, we don't feel frustrated and feel like, well, that didn't work. I'm not fasting anymore. Right. And physically, your body only loses about half a pound of body fat every full day that you fast. So keep that in mind. So even if you did like a four day fast, a half a pound of actual body fat every day would be two pounds of actual body fat. So it's kind of like, Oh, am I going to do this four day fast to lose two pounds of body fat? And yeah, so you're definitely as insulin levels come down, there's kind of that flushing, like you said, with the water weight, but now we're really dropping insulin levels when we're fasting. So we have more of that flushing. We have water weight go, um, our electrolytes, you know, that's why it's so important, especially in a longer fast to make sure that you're getting like, I, I advise my people to put like either electrolyte drops or trace minerals, um, even putting some good sea salt or Redmond salt under the tongue while you're fasting. Um, but so, but a lot of it can be water weight or, you know, just that flushing. But, um, so if you did say we did a four day fast and you lost, five pounds during that time, probably two of it was actually body fat. So you could expect to regain probably half that, that weight the next day after you nourish yourself. And that's okay because we really wanting to lose body fat. We don't want to lose the lean tissue and the, the, we want to replenish ourselves with, um, with hydrating too. So yeah, that's kind of what you can expect. Everybody's a little bit different. And we all know those people who do a 16, eight and we, you know, they fast 16 hours and the weight just falls off. (laughs) There's people who do a 16, eight and really don't see much change. So you got to play around with it and give it a good month before you decide, okay, I don't think that this is a strategy that's going to be helpful for me. Yes. Okay. That is so helpful to just actually have that magic number. People who are listening, like, okay, you can expect that the real fat loss was about a half pound per day. Anything else you're probably going to gain back and that's okay. That's normal. It's water weight. Once you reintroduce carbohydrates, not that you're eating car like high carb, but just any carbohydrates, your body does retain some water for each gram of carbohydrates that you eat. So um, yeah, thank you so much for that. I would love to know what your thoughts are on modified fasting because some people have a pretty difficult time water fasting. Um, Can we still see benefits from modified fasting? Can you explain what that is and how to go about it? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because this is a topic that I've been looking more and more into as of late. 
Um, and I follow Maria, Maria Emmerich, if you're mm -hmm. familiar with her. Oh, yeah. She does the, the protein modified, protein sparing modified. And that's yeah. what I recommend, especially if people like their main goal is fat loss. Mm -hmm. Like just if you're having trouble with doing a 24 hour fast, let's try a protein sparing modified fast like two times a week and see how you do. Because just that amount of protein, so probably like 90 to 100 grams for for most people, give or take, um, is just going to keep you nourished enough. You're still going to get a lot of benefits from um, the fast. You know, you probably won't tap into autophagy as much as if you would if you did a water fast, but it can work really well as a transition. Um, and in my program, I actually talk about this if, if you're stuck and not seeing results, like just do that incorporate that a couple times a week and see what happens. And yeah. like we talked about just changing things up and making things different um, can be very helpful. But yeah, I do recommend those um, like a couple of times a week, just and I recommend the protein sparing one. Um, it just seems mentally, it seems a lot easier for a lot of people just knowing, oh, I can eat some I can eat, have meat and eggs you know? yeah. and it suppresses the appetite and, and that's helpful. And then, you know, maybe the next week you try going without the protein and see how you do, but, um, cause there's benefits to both, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, what are your goals again? Or if your goal is more about burning fat and losing weight, having those protein modified fasts is, is very important. If you're doing more longevity or cancer prevention or, um, wanting to really just keep your immune system healthy, then maybe doing the water fast is is a bigger part of what your goals should be. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up the protein sparing modified fast. That's something that I have tried. And it did help me too, because it felt like, well, at least I don't have to not eat. And it's still switching up a strategy and still getting some benefits to it. So for people who are unfamiliar with protein sparing modified fast, you can definitely, you know, Google that, look that up. Also, Maria has, uh, Maria Emmerich, she has an amazing PFMF bread that's very tasty. Um, whether you're actually going to do protein sparing modified fast or not, it's an awesome bread to have on keto because it's high protein. Um, so check that out. So um, for people who are maybe... Um, not sure how to do a protein sparing modified fast. Can you give us like, how much protein should we be aiming for? Um, how much fat should we be aiming for? How much carbs should we be aiming for calories? Like, how would that work? Yeah, the carbs are zero. It's basically mm -hmm. like eating carnivore. Yeah. Sorry, my battery went low. That's okay. We're still here. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> carbs are zero, alcohol zero. So it's basically just like pure protein. Yeah. And, um, 80 to 90 grams is a good amount to shoot for, for women, like maybe even up to a hundred. And then for men more like hundred to 120, somewhere in there. Um, there is, I'm trying to remember the exact calculation. If it was points, I don't want to give you the wrong information, but if it was 0.7, um, 0.7 per pound of mass, pound so, of something along those, but, but yeah, you might want to look up the, uh, the specifics for that before you implement it. But I do remember it's around a hundred for most people, a little bit lower for women, women, and a little bit higher for men. Um, but yeah, that gives you a good amount of meat. So you're, it's just, it's just pure protein is what you're looking at. Um, so no vegetables, no fruit, no carbs, um, no alcohol. <laughs> that would be fun. But yeah. <laughs> and as I understand it, it you would want to stick with like leaner cuts of meat too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the fat you don't really add any fat. It's just the fat that is um, found in the meat. But yes, mm -hmm. you wanted to you would want to do like steak over well, I shouldn't say any steak like, um, like a tenderloin over like a what would be a high a like ribeye. A, ribeye or yeah. uh, what is the other one that I that I I can't bring myself to eat but it's really <laughs> like the fats all over it and I, yeah. I'm blanking on it but yeah so leaner cuts yes yeah yeah awesome and what are your thoughts on bulletproof fasting so you kind of have told about like okay a modified fast as like just protein um but what about a modified fast as just fat like the bulletproof fasting yeah um I think I'm sorry, I had an interview right before this, so I hope that I didn't already talk about this, but um, 
if you want to like bulletproof your coffee, that kind of thing, are, are yeah. you referring to? Okay, so if you wanted to add like, like I do have people come and say, oh, I do bulletproof coffee. I add this amount of butter or MCT oil. Um, I, I don't think that that's harmful in any way. It's just if people are wanting to fast, I think that that can be a good stepping stone or a good transition into fat, into um, water fasting or water to your coffee. Um, but just remember that those fatty acids are in your bloodstream then, and that's what your body's going to burn first. So I like to encourage people, you know, if you need to do that for a few weeks, great, but then let's try to transition into water only or coffee and tea as much. Shoot. I lost you as much as possible and and then work your way into just a water fast. Yeah, that makes sense. I I try to tell my clients too, because a lot of times they're like, I have to have my coffee in the morning and I have to have my heavy whipping cream. If if that means that I'm not intermittent fasting, then I don't think it's even worth it for me to do it. And I'm like, don't let that hold you back. It's just, you know, some straight fat is not going to cause that much of an insulin response. If your heavy whipping cream in your morning coffee is helping you to not eat your lunch until noon, as opposed to having your morning coffee with heavy whipping cream and a full breakfast, like that's still a positive. So let's, let's do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. And then um, last question for you. We talked before about people who maybe have a history of disordered eating and that maybe, um, you know, if, if you trying to fast is triggering those disordered thoughts, maybe scale back, maybe, you know, stick to less than a 24 hour fast. Are there any other um, types of people that you can think of who you would caution them, um, you know, don't fast. It, it's probably not advisable yeah. for you to do that. Yeah, definitely the the disordered eating. And if you're healed from your eating disorder, it's something that you could try. But if it's an active eating disorder, but then for sure, um, it's not something that you want to try until you're healed from that. Um, but pregnant, breastfeeding, those are not <laughs> not good times to start fasting. You know, and I think some pregnant women can do fine eating two full meals, but don't feel like you need to, you know, intermittent fast while you're pregnant. Um, so those are the the main categories that you definitely want to use caution with. And then just, you know, you know, your own personality more than anybody else. So if you're yeah. somebody who just tends to take things to extreme, you probably want to stay more on the lower end of the intermittent fasting than to like challenge yourself to longer fasts. And, you know, there's people out there who are doing like longer fasts every single week, and that's not healthy for your body either. It's like, you you know, we, we have to balance it. We have to break down and then we have to replenish and then we break down and then we replenish. And so not having a, a healthy balance can definitely wreak more havoc than, than good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking of fasting as a form of self-care, the same way with our nutrition, like it's not about being dogmatic. It's not about following some rigid set of rules where you either succeeded or you failed. You're either on or you're off or you're black or you're white. Like the same way that you would design the diet that works best for you. Some people eat more carbs than other people, you know, and so you do what works for you. Some people um, can eat a certain type of food and other people have reactivity to it. So even though it's allowed on keto, you should not eat that as a form of self-care if you feel awful every time that you eat it, you know, so it's not about like surrendering your will to some outside protocol from on high and you're following the rules and therefore you're going to succeed. It's about, you know, creating, um, a protocol that actually works for you in terms of right. fasting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Shanna, thank you so much for coming on today. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to share? Um, I think we covered a lot. I just want everyone to realize, you know, like everybody's fasting journey is a little bit different. Our, our, their keto journey is always different. So it works for you or worked for your loved one or your friend or whatever, isn't going to necessarily work for you. And that's okay. Like you need to make this your own, find what works for you. Um, my podcast is Fast to Heal Stories, and I just love hearing everybody's different stories because everybody brings something a little bit different to the table. So um, yeah, so don't expect the same results. Don't expect your weight to be linear either. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a journey. It's a transition for your body um, and to focus on health over weight for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd love for you to share with us, where can people find you online? Um, What type of services do you offer, how people can work with you and also where can people get your book? 
Yeah, so my book is called Fast to Heal. Um, that's available on Amazon, or it's my website is called fasttoheal.info, and I sell the digital form there and the audio form there. Um, I have a six-week program called Finding Nutritional Peace, which is all about reversing your insulin resistance and um, weight loss and chronic and reversing chronic disease. That that part of that program is lifelong coaching with me, live, live weekly coaching. Um, so on my Instagram bio, you can schedule um, a discovery call to see if you would be a good fit for that program. And then my podcast is called Fast to Heal Stories. Um, so you can find that on iTunes and all, all the major podcast platforms. Yeah. Okay, so awesome. And for anybody, I'm going to share this to my podcast later. So for anybody that's not, you know, watching this on Instagram, what is your Instagram handle so that people can oh, go find sure. you? Yeah, my Instagram handle is at shanna.husson.rdn. And everything else is basically fast to heal. So my Facebook page is fast to heal. My website is fast to heal. My book is fast to heal. And then it's just my name on Instagram. Okay, awesome. Thank you again so much, Shanna. This was really informative, really helpful. I feel like We've got some really concrete takeaways about when to fast, how long is good, you know, ways to still make it work for you if you feel like, um, you know, doing it in the traditional, you know, 36 to 48 hours, you're just like, heck no, I can never do that. <laughs> but you could see that there are still some ways to really design it in a way that works for you. And, um, you know, I really love collaborating with other coaches because um, we're not all, um, you know, super passionate or super expert in every single niche in the world. Like we all right. have different niches. And so um, while fasting is something like I've shared that, you know, I do it a little bit more mild because that's what works for me. I really appreciate having somebody come on and share options for um, implementing it in a more intense way. Um, and, you know, I try not to speak to things that um, I don't do. And so, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be valuable for a lot of people. So I love you coming in today and just filling those gaps um, to really share this great information with both of our audiences today. I appreciate you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Honored okay. to be here. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.